Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. How are you today? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm feeling good. Feeling really good. Welcome to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. A proud member of the Pantheon podcast family. Yay! Go Pantheon. Go Pantheon, indeed. (laughs) We're continuing our countdown. This week, we are going um, from number 90 to number 81 of the K-Rock countdown from 1984. And uh, we are doing the 106.7 top songs of that year. Just kind of taking a look at it. In the past, we've it's just been Holly and I. And now we're starting to invite in some of our favorite people. And... um, (laughs) This is certainly the case. I've been a big fan of Carmel Holtz for a long time. I listened to her at WFUV and just her uh, her presence and just her uh, just engagement with with the music. It, it was it's always wonderful. It was always a treat to to hear her voice. And um, I was actually kind of disappointed when she left. I was like, what what's going on? What is happening? <laughs> why are you t- why are you ripping Carmel away from me? Um, <laughs> But as it turns out, she, you know, she's got plans. She is actually, as I opened up my email yesterday, the number eight most powerful person in the AAA universe, according to, Yay! yeah, according to Paul Marzlack and his top 22. Uh, this is to be celebrated. Yeah. This is Carmel Holt of the syndicated radio show Shiro's. So welcome, Carmel. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thank you, Dave. Hi, Holly. Hi. Great to meet you. Uh, thank you so much for all those kind words, Dave. I'm like, I'm going to start crying again. Uh, <laughs> I know. Inauguration it's, day. I was crying already. <laughs> it is cool. Dave for tears. Yeah. yeah. Happy tears. Ha- happy tears. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. But it's so, so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So, yeah, the cool thing, though, now is with a syndicated show is, you know, people not necessarily in New York, all over the country can hear you. Tell us a little bit about Shiro's. What is the idea behind it? Uh, What I did was basically take the two things that I know, which is playlisted music and interviewing and put them together into an hour show whose mission is to amplify and celebrate women in music, but in a way that raises awareness about the lack of equality on the airwaves, both on the hosting side and the programming side, those behind the scenes and on the mic at the radio stations, and also in the playlist and in the music business in general. And so what I aim to do is to provide listeners this opportunity to hear something that they don't normally hear. There's all these baked in rules for some reason of programming where you're not supposed to play two women on the air back to back. You're not supposed to have two female DJs on the air back to back. This is somewhere, some, I don't know how this came into being, but this has been a rule. Um, And so mm, I'm trying to subvert that. Uh, with this show and also just give listeners, you know, cause it's like, you don't even know this is so baked in. You've always heard it this way. You're not even aware that it's something that you're missing. So uh, rather than just trying to be an echo chamber of like, okay, this is for, for ladies, this is really for everybody. And I'm just saying, Hey, there's all this music that you're not hearing because of these strange baked in rules Music would be better for everybody if it was a more level playing field. There's also an, a new show launching in the spring, back circling back to Sonos on their player, which will be launching in March. Wow. Same theme. Same theme, different, different uh, format. Awesome. That's very exciting. Yeah. When did you become aware of the rule? Because, I mean, I guess you were a music director <laughs> 
I mean, you know, this unwritten yeah. rule that everyone knows about, but yeah. And, and you know, of course you probably, your first question is why? And you yeah, know, you it's know. so bizarre. I don't know. I never have yet been able to find out the reason why, you know, it's interesting because so I'll answer your first question. When did I first become aware of it? I was aware of it basically from the beginning. I started in radio right out of college and um, I was a musician myself. And so I was on the other side of things where I was already coming up against barriers and challenges and frustrations. And then when I got into radio, I learned, oh, wow, wait, this is like, not any different from being over there. I'm over here and it's still that way. But yeah, I mean, I myself, unfortunately, because I didn't get to make the rules, I just had to follow them. You know, I programmed a radio station for, you know, for eight years in one place and then six years in another and had to follow those rules myself. And it was painful to do. So Rita Houston was your PD. You worked with her. Did, yeah. Was this a conversation you had between the two of you? You must have like, you know, I really want, I, this is an artist I love. Why can't we play her? Or why can't, you know, I, there are four new artists this week that are all women. I'd love to play all them. Why can't I play them on my show in, in you know, at, at this time? So what was that well, discussion? Well, the radio station, um, you know, as most AAA stations are, um, are programmed, you know, they're programmed, you know, DJs don't have, there are a few exceptions to this, you know, um, I think KXP and maybe the current Minneapolis have a much more open playlist, but in, in most cases, radio, this is kind of like the peak behind the curtain. There is a music director that's plugging in, you know, there's, there's a program and, New songs get added as well as old ones. And there's percentages that are calculated by a program. Then there's a human element of like massaging those things and making sure that things sound good, right? But basically, um, you're dealing with, you know, a stack of paper, your logs every day, and the music is already loaded in for you. I did, I had very, very little say in what actually got played on the air and even in music meetings where I sat in a room with three or four other people. Um, yeah, unfortunately I never got a good explanation and those rules were always pretty much followed. I mean, I think FUV of any station, uh, you know, that I knew of, uh, was the most adventurous in that way in terms of uh, gender balance. I know, I know it was something that Rita cared about, but we still ended up kind of following that rule, mm. more or less. I'm, I'm taking on a project this week, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to make some calls, and, and I really want to know where this originated and why, you know, is it like an amendment to the Constitution? Why can't this be changed? <laughs> People want to hear. People's listening is different. You know, if, if, if we were listening when we listen to the radio now, it is no longer jarring to hear two women in a row you know, two females in a row. And as far as jocks go, that the average listener wouldn't really notice it. I will say that um, two things. One is that 90% of program directors, 90, 90, 90% mm. of program directors at radio stations across formats are male and white. And also <laughs> because in radio, we... <sighs> We're in a game where even in public radio, 
we're in a ratings game. There's this whole thing about getting money. It's weird. Radio. (laughs) We have to make money. And so what ends up happening is because of the idea that familiarity builds, right? It it builds um, allegiance in your listeners, builds comfort. People come back because they want to hear things that they've heard and they want to discover new music. When there's market research done and people are not used to hearing female voices, what do you think is going to happen? What songs do you think are going to quote unquote test well? If they are not accustomed to hearing female voices on the air, do you think that they're going to rate higher something that they feel comfortable with with a male voice because they're more accustomed to hearing that? Or do you think that they're going to rate higher a female voice? What do you think is going to happen? It's the logical thing. So we end up in this self-perpetuating pattern now where the the suits, consultants, et cetera, say, but we've done the research. Mm-hmm. Females just don't test well. Yeah. And there you go. It just kind of perpetuates and perpetuates. So then the, then the program directors can wash their hands of it and say, I don't know. I mean, yeah. we would love to, but... We have to be able to sell it. Yeah. Same old song and dance. Sell it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have some, you know, we have some work to do. I think we're, we're in a better place now than ever. And fortunately, unfortunately, with all of the pushing uh, in the past year during the pandemic and Black Lives Matter for diversity and inclusion, this conversation is up in a big way. And that gives me hope. You know, I think that people are, way more aware and open to having these conversations and open to, you know, kind of doing some self-reflection. I'm also doing a study um, with a, a few women from uh, the UK and uh, and here in the States to actually get statistics on this um, because it's one thing to kind of have anecdotal evidence and then it's a whole other thing to actually have the hard numbers. Let's actually analyze this. So we're going to look at the last five years of airplay across formats, every format that we can touch um, in the United States and radio and actually see what's happening there. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so yeah. happy to hear that. I would love to hear the results when it's uh, when all said and done. It will be published. I promise you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, all right. Anyway. So, yes. <laughs> so, so let's take a turn to uh, let's go back in time. And so you add a sound effect here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're gonna the <laughs> harp and whatever. Effect. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some of these songs that were played on KROQ in the early '80s. What? It, and actually, let's go back a little bit for you, Carmel. What? Uh, what was your first radio station that you remember or personality? What did you listen to? Like when on the car going oh to God. whatever you know, like middle school or whatever. You, what was happening? Right. I grew up in a house. I I grew up in an NPR household. Um, <laughs> I, I was the, uh, I'm first generation. My parents were both Jewish intellectuals from Israel and Europe, and they listened to classical music and NPR news. That was it. So I grew up with the All Things Considered. Uh, that was my childhood soundtrack, their, their theme song. But I discovered popular music when I was probably five or six because I was gifted a rack system for my birthday. That was like a radio shack, you know, with the turntable on the top and the tuner on the front and eight track. And so that's where I started to listen to more popular music. And I don't remember specific person. The only personality I remember, I remember two, Wolfman Jack and uh, Dr. Demento, <laughs> both of them. I, oh, and Casey Kasem. 
syndicated people, much like yourself, much like you're, you're going down the Casey Kasem route. This is exciting. Maybe we'll have a, a Shiro's countdown like every week. Do you remember like the first, uh, I, I love to ask the first album you bought or single, maybe, first, maybe a poster yeah. that you had up on your Absolutely. wall. Okay. No posters because <laughs> no. that wasn't really allowed, but, 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 but. <laughs> I do remember the first album that I actually bought. My first records were all Beatles records handed down from my big sisters. Right. Um, so I grew up on the Beatles. But the first album that I actually went to a record store and bought was Madonna's first record. Is that right? How about that? Good choice. <laughs> yeah. Still holds still, up. And you still have it? Yes. Yeah, I do, actually. Oh, good. I have that. And speaking of 1984, <laughs> I do have my original copy of Prince Purple Rain. Did you get to see a rated R movie? You know, that was rated R. Did you see it in the, in the theaters? It was rated R. I don't, I don't think I saw it. No, I, I, it was many years later that I actually saw the movie. I was too young. It's tough to watch now. Sometimes it's a little, it's yeah. a little misogynistic, but still, yeah, yeah well. like, like everything in the eighties. I know goes back, but exactly. not uncommon to films in the eighties, uh, but still, yeah. yeah, but those yeah. performances are amazing. Okay. We're talking to our favorite Shiro. That's Carmel Holt. And we will take a break right back. Welcome back to What Difference Does It Make? And our very special guest on this episode, Carmel Holt. Okay, enough chit chat. So the, <laughs> let's get to the hits. The, the uh, countdown. The countdown begins. All right, so we start with number 90. This is Blamage. That's Love That It Is. This is the first of three songs that are on the K-Rock list. And I will ask Holly, and you can, you can chime in if you like. K-Rock now has their Rock of the 80s format, and they pared it down to 80 songs. So they, they've chopped off uh, 25, 26.7 songs. I'd like to quiz Holly to see if she thinks it's still on the list, if it's still relevant. Did you, by the way, I gave you a cheat sheet. Mike Marone tossed it aside. Did you, did you study? Of course. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a preparer. Prepare's a syndicated like, show. <laughs> I like to prep. Good. I'm, I've been trained to prep always, of course. There you go. All right, good. Perfect. Excellent. All right. But I did not know this band. Blamage. This band was, again, um, on K-Rock, really big. This was, and especially in 84. This was, the, the PD back then was Freddie Snakeskin, and he found a lot of his albums through just digging through crates of albums, <laughs> and he liked to go through the- real name, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real yeah. name, I'm sure. Uh, trash. Yeah, he dug through the trash for <laughs> records that people had thrown out. Yeah. But he, he liked going through the imports. I mean, it was- K-Rock played a lot of imports, and so this was one of those, and it kind of- uh, it, it was uh, something that uh, LA took to. Um, what you, what'd you think of this song? Me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, lo I loved it. Did I you? loved it. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. I, and then I and then I kind of went down the rabbit hole a little bit. I was like, oh, oh, this, oh, like, really cool. And um, what did I think? I was like, oh yeah, they're kind of like um, like a poor man's Depeche Mode or something. Mm. <laughs> this was actually before, yeah. When Depeche Mode, yeah, they start actually, yeah, around the same yes. time they were coming up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Speaking of spells, last year wasn't it? Did we do? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
But yeah, yeah. and and how yes, I, you are you hit the nail on the head. What what, what, what are your thoughts of it? Do you remember this song? Oh, I okay. I'm gonna reiterate again. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I loved 1984 and music in K Rock. It reminds me how much I love the music. Uh, it reminds me of songs that I had long since forgotten, and I like them much. I I liked some of the videos I couldn't find the songs I listened to. Um, but the videos I couldn't find because I love looking at them too. I love, you know, a good mullet and, uh, <laughs> Oh, the hair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But do you, do you, Dave, did you remember the song? Yeah. I, I think, uh, Carmel hit the nail on the head with a poor man's Depeche mode. Uh, but yeah, this, this album, they, I think they were trying, they were building up this, uh, this following and in, in LA and, um, they're British, these bands, but they they're seem, British. Yeah, but they see this wasn't played on MTV, so it felt like uniquely ours, I think. And that's uh, I think that's kind of why there are three songs from Blamage on this uh, on this album. You know, for, right? On this I, list. I actually wondered that too. I was like, maybe this was a West Coast thing because I didn't really. But anyway, it it wouldn't have been odd for me not to be aware of them from this time. But I will say um, that there's a lot of '80s music that I missed. Uh, I want to say the kind of the first time round, I'm putting that in air quotes, <laughs> but then once I became a programmer and a radio personality, I rediscovered or discovered for the first time so much. Like I, I kind of like had a renewed love affair with the eighties. Cause I was like, and I was like, ah, oh, I wish that I'd known <laughs> when I was there, you know, cause I, yeah. but I was just too little. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of the fun thing, especially when you hear new music, there's a lot of new artists coming out and it reminds you of something you've heard long ago. And then you're like, oh yeah, that, that touched on, you know, th this band did that a, a long time ago and they're doing their own unique take. So it's, it's, it's fun. And then, and that's one of the reasons we do this is because it is kind of, you know, lost classics. So I will ask yeah. Holly, is this song still on the charts? No, it's not. <laughs> what do you think? Carmel, would this still be on mm -hmm. the list? Would this song still be on the list? The pared down list, the list of the, ABK rock songs. Do you think this one is still on it or did it fall off? No. Yeah. I don't think so. That is correct. Sorry. This is no longer on the list. I will say, though, there are going to be some surprises, some songs you might think would be on a, uh, <laughs> yeah. a list like this, but uh, that yeah. they, they took off completely. Okay. All right. So All this... Right. So this takes, okay, Holly, did you want to say something? I just wanted to say a comment that, that uh, Carmel made about Depeche Mode. I, we'll find that in a lot of these songs, they are uh, reminiscent of Depeche Mode. Yeah, that's not, that, that is not surprising. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is like how there can be, you know, of a moment of an era, so many bands kind of like tapping into the same whatever it is in the in the air yeah. <laughs> you want to say right but also some of it just being purely a time capsule of what instruments were like there were a lot of these instruments like synthesizers and all things were like evolving and there was the newest and this right so everyone was kind of like grab this gravitational pull towards synthesized music mm -hmm. and electronic music and i don't know like depeche mode why did they rise to the top versus blancmange like who knows Right? Is it the songs? Was it the look? Was it the marketing? Yes, yes, yes. Have why, you looked why, at Dave? Why do, why do some bands win over the others if they all kind of are feeding from the same? Have you looked at Dave Gahan? Have you seen him? Have you seen like a constant? You know what? This is not. This is a humble brag. I interviewed Dave Gahan. Oh he 
is the nicest person <laughs> ever. He's so amazing. He's so amazing. And he also is still handsome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I saw them a couple of years ago. I saw them live at the Hollywood Bowl and I hadn't seen them in many, many, many years. And they were, they put on such a great show. You always have your doubts about synth bands being able to put on, you know, a, a great show if you're used to seeing, you know, five piece guitar or two guitars and but they put on such a fantastic show uh, and his voices, their voices are still great. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. They do write great songs too. It yeah. is, anyway. Yes, yes. It is the power Our of the front man. Right. It's the reason they rose to the top. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. <laughs> we, we found, found our way there. Yeah. We answered our question. Great. <laughs> great songs and great front man and great performance <laughs> and sincere. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. That takes us up to number 89. Now we talk about uh, the look. And so this one, this kind of cracked me up looking at the video for Elvis Costello's The Only Flame in Town. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was very, very much 80s. This is from an album called Goodbye Cruel World. And I don't know if you've ever bought, if you the, the 1995 um, CD uh, reissue, uh, Elvis says, congratulations, you just bought the worst Elvis Costello album ever released. <laughs> but They were also on the verge of a breakup at the time, so uh, he probably has extra bad feelings about it. <laughs> but This was with the attractions? This or was, I can't yeah, remember. Th so yeah, yeah this, was, okay. was, this was the last album, I think, with the full lineup of Elvis Costello and the attractions. Problems with... Uh, recording the album of what direction they want to go but i do like this song the only flame in town do you you remember this song carmel not at all <laughs> not at all not at all not only do i not remember it but it never it you know of all the elvis costello you know catalog it's never shown up in a playlist i've it was completely yeah. off my radar that sounds about right because i mean i, I think this is an album as i just said that he wasn't that proud of so like on reissues or greatest hits or something you would you know his, his catalog is so huge and so strong that even though this was a charming song i mean upon listening to it now for some reason i had put this out of my mind there it's uh it features daryl hall on uh, background vocals oh no i didn't know that either yeah that, that is a very good trivia uh <laughs> thank you dave <laughs> well actually he is in the video as well so it's uh it was kind of it, yeah, it was funny just seeing them interacting together. And it's, yeah. it is kind of of that time with a sax solo and all that stuff. It's super 80s. So as someone who do doesn't remember that song, and probably as I, I'm going to assume you love Elvis Costello and his catalog. With, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't love Elvis Costello? <laughs> all right. Um, so it's, yeah, uh, I, I yeah. liked, I liked the song. Okay. It didn't like floor me. I wasn't like, ooh, hidden gem that I now discovered. Mm -hmm. You know, it was fine. It was an Elvis song. Yeah. <laughs> is that fair? I mean, is that yeah, fair? It didn't really. Completely, okay. completely fair. Yeah, pretend you're in Philadelphia and you're grading, you know, Sean Coakley's uh, talking about. <laughs> right, exactly. The music <laughs> meeting. Okay. So I think I'm, you know, <laughs> oh, that's funny, Dave. Um for, for, that's a little inside baseball, but there, there's an <laughs> annual conference in Philadelphia at WXPN and our friend Sean Coakley does these music meetings whereby it's so fun. Actually, it's my favorite thing. Uh, he plays these snippets of new songs. Sometimes it's by new artists. Sometimes it's by artists we don't know, but he doesn't reveal who it is or, or what the song title is or anything about it. We just listen to like a snippet and then everybody has these cards and we, we bring up the numbers <laughs> and rate them. Rate a record. Um, it can get 
pretty interesting. People get like really aggro sometimes. Anyway, I guess if I was, if I was putting up a card for this, I would probably give it a five. It's fine. Yeah. There you go. A five. All right. That's what we say in our head when something is fine. We say, yeah, it's, it's just fine. Perfectly. It's acceptable. It's fine. It's a, it's a song, you know, it's, it's fine. It's Elvis. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit more than just a song. Maybe I should give it a six. So if it was a five because it's Elvis, it becomes a six. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Holly, where do you sit? As I, I know you remember this song and you have probably some nice memories of it. Of course I do. It is not my favorite Elvis song. And I can go either way about uh, whether it is on the top 80. I want to say, I want to say Yes. You want to say yes, and are you? And you are. So you are <laughs> saying yes. That's my final answer. I'm saying yes. <laughs> okay, this is no longer on the list. <gasps> oh. <laughs> okay, I'm but, one for two. But do you like? Do you still like the song? I mean, does this? Um, I I, I, like I would imagine. I would imagine you'd think more of it. You know, because we've heard it numerous times in the '80s. It's funny. I think I loved it then because it was an Elvis song, and I was just I may maybe I was programmed to because I love him. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a little better than fine for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was happy to hear it again because I hadn't heard it in a long time, but I don't love it. Like I said, it's not my, I, I like it a lot, yeah. but I don't love it. Yeah, this was that. Is that a little more specific? Sure. I think this was after Punch the Clock and Every Day I Write the Book. So this was like their, their next album. And yeah, you know, it's. Yeah, those, those are, those are high. Those are high what? marks to hit. Right, you know? exactly. So I think it's yeah. okay. It's okay. To have a little slump yeah. there. Elvis has, has done a lot of great work. Right. I feel bad saying that, oh, you know, not getting, you know, super excited about it, but, but it's yeah. okay. Yeah. No, I mean, and he was making a transition as well. You know, he had those, those Listen, hard edge new songs. wave songs, yes. you know, those, those first four records. And now he's going to like this smooth jazz type of sound. So it's, you know, that, which, which was of that, of the mid eighties, that was kind of what everyone was going for. But Carmel just hit the nail on the head. If he feels eh about it, why do we have to feel bad about not getting so excited? All we right. shouldn't. We shouldn't. Exactly. We're fine. Fine. Thank you. Move yeah. Moving Validated. on. Moving on. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Number 88, General Public, General Public. This is by the band General Public. And the song is called General Public. Holly, do you remember this song? Of course I do. Oh. I, I love the song. I like General Public. Dave Wakeling and Rankin Roger, their sound will always be significant of the time. Also, uh, I love them. I remember the song. Uh, I couldn't find the video. There was, was there a video? No, this wasn't a single. I, this was, again, something that K-Rock did. Uh, they liked to general public, kind of like the blamage. This was, um, you know, the first couple songs, singles hit. And so we're like, what else can we play? And they they like to dig into the album and play something deeper. And so that's what that's, uh, cool. that's where this came around. Yeah, this was not something that I was familiar with. General Public was kind of like a super band in a way because yeah. there, were, there were members of Dexie's Midnight Runners and right. Uh, right. Uh, I just know Tenderness. That's the one everybody yeah. knows. Yeah, you know they have yeah, specials they, too. They're from the specials and, and right, right. And I I didn't even as I looked on Wikipedia I, and I didn't realize that Mick Jones was in the band and credited in the album for uh, for yeah. I don't know what he played on, but Mick Jones of the Clash was was in General Public for a little bit of time. For, yeah, I was surprised also. I had no idea. So, uh, and in the cheat notes, I asked, okay, so this is General Public <laughs> and the song is General Public. How many yeah. other songs that reference oh themselves? God. Can you name there's, any? There's, there's a lot. Yeah. There are. Uh, 
Yeah, there's totally a lot. I mean, you just mentioned Mick Jones. So there's like, this is Radio Clash. Um, if that. Sure, if I'll that, give you credit. It counts. Okay. <laughs> bad Company, Bad Company. Uh, the Stray Cat Strut from by, uh, Stray Cats. Nice. Queen's Pillar Queen. Wilco, Wilco the song and Wilco the album. The Monkees, theme from the Monkees. Uh, <laughs> what else? Uh, bad Religion, Bad Religion. Bell nice. and Sebastian have a self referential song. Black Sabbath also. Uh, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, the damn Yankees, Green Day. Um, <laughs> Wait, are you just oh, doing cool. this? <laughs> oh, and Cool in the Gang. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> saw that. We would also accept they might be Giants, Motorhead. Uh, oh, in Big Country. Big, yeah. Oh, in a, right. Uh, I, listen, I, 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 I will say I have a little bit of an advantage here because this <laughs> is something I used to do. <laughs> I used to do a themed um, hour called the mixtape. And also mm. I did this when I was at WDST. It was called something else, but like a noontime all request show. And I would do <laughs> themes every once in a while. And I would like tell listeners to like, this was one that I loved and always did really well. Um, and so I, I, I've, I've done this exercise more than once. It's fun. Nice. So, yes. You did very well. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I love that. Uh, okay, so I'm going to ask you, Holly, is this still on the list? I'm going to say no. I didn't even get your take on the on this song. Carmel, did you, what did you think of this? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I like general public, you yeah. know? I mean, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know their anything beyond. Their, their, I've never taken oeuvre. the deep dive. <laughs> yeah, oh. so, but yeah, it was cool. But the English beat, did you know the English beat? Yes, I love okay. but I didn't. Again, that was something that I discovered later. I wasn't; right. they weren't on my radar when I was a kid. When did you start going back? Usually, you're into your own music for uh, you know, as 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 you're a teenager, and then sometimes in college you start going back. Or when when was it where you like starting to, be, to discover like different '80s music? Or I mean, probably when I started working at WDST because you know that was in the '90s, and you know, so our golds were from the eighties and the, the, the radio station started in the eighties. So, um, so yeah, that was, and I started listening to that radio station when I was in college, uh, before I started working there. So yeah, that was when, you know, all kinds of things opened up to me and yeah. I became friends with Nick Harcourt and, yeah. you know, he had the whole like British thing, <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's when I started to kind of get an education of like, you know, 80s, but like cool 80s music that right. wasn't pop. <laughs> That's, I'm, surpri I'm, my own heart. That's I'm surprised name. Nick didn't introduce you to Blamage. Yeah, no, <laughs> was he? That something that was, uh, that I can remember anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? It's funny that you say that about pop music because Dave and I have had a conversation and I have to, I have distinguished for him and he continues to bring it up. I'm a fan of 80s new wave. Pop music was spotty for me in the 80s, let's just say. And for me, it's nostalgic. So, you know, um, and some of it ages well, you know, better than others. I'm just saying that, you know, for me, pop music is nostalgic uh, from the 80s because that was what was on the radio when I was a kid. But yeah, also there, you know, for me, I like, so I was, like I said, 10, 11 in 1984. And then by the time, so that was preteen. When I became a teenager, my whole lens for 
what I was listening to went further back. So I wasn't even like plugged into 80s music when it was actually happening because I started to get enthralled with 60s and 70s music. Mm -hmm. I became a hippie deadhead. So I was like (laughs) into the Grateful Dead and Janice and Allman Brothers and um, all that stuff. So again, I I kind of like missed a lot. Like, I remember my friends being like super, super psyched about you too. And I was just like, eh. <laughs> but it's nice that you get to discover it later on. So you discover a whole, you know, I, had to, I had to catch up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it, then it's, it's like new whenever you discover it. It's so exciting. Even if you're not, you know, in the same moment with it. Yeah. So Carmel, anyway, so you did yeah. jump in the van and you went, uh, did you do uh, the, the dead tour? Oh, and yes, you did. did okay. Ever. Are you kidding me? Hey man, um, I need a miracle. Come on, man. <laughs> I need a miracle. I got many, believe me. Nice. It was, it was fun. I, I, I consider myself very lucky oh that's very cool yeah. um okay anyway general public is not on the list anymore we'll yeah. keep going um <laughs> <laughs> let's keep moving along uh, yeah. num- number 97 the psychedelic furs heaven oh <laughs> so much wow i, I just saw carmel this. melted wow that was pretty cool i love this song <laughs> i love the psychedelic furs <laughs> okay so for me, you do too. Oh yeah. Oh, God, I love and and like pretty in pink. Are you kidding me? Like that movie, like psychedelic furs, I just have this association to like John Hughes. <laughs> like all those all those movies, Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. And so it's kind of an automatic, like I just love it. I love <laughs> it. I love his voice so much. I <laughs> I agree with you and, and happy memories, but the movies also, they're like, they're intertwined. You touched on pretty, um, pretty in pink. Who, who is your guy in pretty in pink? Are you, did you, did you relate to Ducky or are you a Spader guy? What, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love Ducky. <laughs> Ducky. Okay. Are good, you kidding me? Yeah. Good, good call. He's okay. The under, he's the underdog. I know, but he's Spader the had the underdog. hair. He had everything. He had the car, everything going on there. No? Okay. Yeah, but you know what? He was a player. <laughs> I was never going to laugh. You recognize that immediately. Okay. <laughs> he was hot, but he was a player. <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we all agree that uh, that Heaven is, is pretty spectacular. So we all love this song. Is this song still on the charts? Everybody. Yes. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Very good. I, I would I would go even further that I know there will be more psychedelic first songs on this chart <laughs> uh, that none of them have dropped off. Okay. Could be. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of movies, we move on to number 86, Bananarama's Cruel Summer. Okay. This song I remember from when I was a kid. <laughs> of course you and did. You I, saw this in the theaters. I love it so so much, so, so much. It definitely sounds really dated. So I don't think that this song is an example of something that's aged well, but I feel like if somebody were to like cover it or do a remix, mm. it would totally chart. Hey, and our yeah. people out there. Speaking, no, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Evanescence did a cover of this. Uh that's not who I'm, I'm thinking more like the XX or, <laughs> you know, or like Billie Eilish or just kind of, um, kind of yeah. a bedroom type uh, sound. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
actually Bananarama in the they did another version of this song like uh, a new jack swing which yeah. it kind of sounds like Belle Biv DeVoe's Poison cruel but anyway they so they they've done they've remixed it a little bit but I, I'm sure yeah someone could give a, a good spin to that song I do recommend yeah. I know uh, Evanescence is big in our house but this is a good it's a good cover it's okay it's, I'll check it out and she has a great voice Amy Lee has a a, just a beautiful voice. I'll say again, uh, anything Bananarama does, I understand and I agree with you about it being a little bit dated. I love them so much. I wanted to be <laughs> them. When I was living in the 80s, I wanted to be them. They were just so cool and their clothes and their hair and they were the <laughs> coolest. So anything probably could have come out of their mouths and I would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> this song made it up to number nine in the U.S. It's number 44 as uh VH1 made it uh, the 44th most popular song of the 80s. It lives on. And thanks to Karate Kid. Now, uh, um, have you watched, are you watching Cobra Kai? Did you watch Cobra Kai? I tried. I don't know. I, I might have to try again. I, I like, I just got so like grossed out the first episode. I was like, oh, I don't know. I've heard it's really good though. Yeah. Okay, so Karate Kid, which the movie we love and still have fond memories of, is it still, is this song still on the list? Carmel, what do you think? Like I said, I love this song. I just have, <laughs> I, I, and, and it's so nostalgic for me, but I, I, I think as it is right now, it doesn't age well. <laughs> All right. For Gen X, this, this ages extremely well. It's now, it was number 86 back in 84 now in this revised list it's in it's at number 22 so wow we Great. well for them yes <laughs> people, good. people of a certain good. age can never get enough of this song which awesome. we, which we Love just it. kind of mentioned <laughs> okay so uh let's keep going uh number 85 is a flock of seagulls the more you live the more you love <laughs> and this was this is this will be our farewell to ever mentioning a flock of seagulls again. This was their last, <laughs> last charting song, but still pretty good. I mean, did, did you give it a listen, Carmel? The flock of seagulls song? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. And what did uh, you think of it? I think I thought like, okay, this sounds like, again, it was one of those like general public where I don't really know the canon, <laughs> you yeah. know, a flock of seagulls. Like, and I'm an appreciator, not necessarily like an enormous fan so it's hard for me to comment on and really feel like I'm coming from an educated place purely from a sonic standpoint. I mean, I think it's a cool song. I've heard other songs by them that I think uh, might be, I mean, you know, like their hit, like, you know, run, right? Um, yeah. I ran. That, that, that's yeah, kind I ran of a so genius far away. song. Yes. Something about a flock of seagulls. I think it goes the credit. I mean, everyone thinks of Mike Scott and his hair. I think uh, this, the lead guitarist, which I had to look up, it's Paul Reynolds. He has like this great sound that he gave to a flock of seagulls during that, that small period of time. Very right. unique. And I, I, I really, I think that helps age these songs. Well, I think we we've kind of touched on what, what, you know, what is aged well and what we can throw away. But I think probably because of the guitar sound, yeah. um, it still kind of draws you in. And, and, uh, and I really, I really like the song still. Yeah. Holly, what, what do you think? I had forgotten how much I, I liked this song. I like this song better than I ran. Maybe I ran just ran its course with me. Um, right. Really right, like right. this song. And you're right about the sound. I played the video from the first note. I just, it totally took me back. There's just something about it. I don't know. I, I, I think it's something like uh, the psych furs when you hear heaven, like those first sounds. Mm -hmm. 
it's something that evokes great memories. And I think that, uh, that uh, Flock of Seagulls kind of touched on that. Now saying that, is this on the list? I want it to be, but I don't think it is. And I'm going to assume Carmel thinks the same thing. And I'm going to tell you that, yes, it is not it is no longer on the list. Number 84, Eurythmics, Who's That Girl? What? I just can't even with this song. It's so good. <laughs> right? It's so good. Eurythmics <laughs> are so good. Like, I think... It, is it fair to say that they're underrated now? Like, I feel like somehow they don't get the shine that they should, but they are amazing. And Dave Stewart's amazing. I mean, they're both like, what a power couple. What a like, it's, it's just, it's incredible. And I feel like their music really does stand up. I can't believe it. And, and I'll also, it it made me remember I not remember, but I, I remembered not from that time, but like remembered from recent memory that they released two albums in nineteen eighty-three. That it was Here Comes the Rain Again and Touch both came out in nineteen eighty-three, which is like <laughs> it's like bonkers. Yeah. yeah. And um, so her, who's that girl is actually from 1983. It's not an, technically not a 1984 song just to be annoying about it. But, um, but yeah, I bring it, bring it anything. Eurythmics bring it as far as I'm concerned. This is an awesome song and I love the video. The video is uh, it's really great, especially, you know, when we first met Annie Lennox. So, you know, kind of this androgynous look. And so the video kind of touches on that a little bit more. She's dressed up as Elvis and kind of um, seducing the the singer. Uh, you know, they kind of play off each other. And there's Dave Stewart being, you know, kind of as, I think he played like the love interest. But it, it's fun because you look in, you recognize a number of the of his uh, people that are sitting at the table with Dave. It's uh, a, lot, a number of like old 80s artists. Some members of Bananarama, Hazel O'Connor. Are you familiar with Hazel O'Connor at all? She's worth looking into. She's uh, very powerful. There's, there's a song, Eighth Day, that uh, I think it came out in the early 80s. Really great, great, powerful singer. Really good stuff. She's in there. Just a fun, fun song that, that touches on so many different themes. And uh, I, I just love it. I can't, and like you said, I just can't get enough of it. Yeah. Just can't get enough. <laughs> um, you know, so you mentioned Banana Rama, it's Siobhan, Siobhan Fahey that's in the video, and she actually ended up marrying Dave Stewart a few years later. Interesting. Yeah. Good tip. There's your 80s. Good. Yeah. There's your 80s. Big on the 80s. Uh, and and Kate Garner is in this uh, video as well from Hazy Fantasy. Just a, <laughs> just a stunning beauty that just happens. Makes a really yes. quick cameo in this video. One of Dave's girlfriends. <laughs> We love this song. Is this song on the list? Yeah. I'll let, I'll let Carmel answer. Yes. Yeah. Um, for some reason, this is not on the list. Oh. <laughs> K-Rock. Oh yes. I think you're wrong. There's going to be a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, oh, well. Oh, well. We move about, you know, but you can still play. I mean, it's still played, I think. In, on, so I think maybe it's played on classic hit stations still. And yeah triple a and you could still hear this song yeah, a lot of different it's more places like sweet dreams and here comes the rain again those yeah. are usual or missionary man you know those things are she's been amazing to follow by the way during the pandemic i don't know if either of you follow her on instagram but she's she's really been amazing just 
you know, sitting at her piano and singing and just, you know, having these very heartfelt felt messages to people. And um, yeah, it's been really cool. No, but I will. Thank you. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of artists are kind of trying to, to reach out. I think that's been one of the advantages now is like artists are trying to discover ways to connect and through social media, we've kind of, you know, even though it's not the same as seeing someone live and in, in person on stage, but it, it kind of feels a little intimate at times with, uh, you know, you yeah. can, oh, yeah. you, you're, you're literally stepping inside their house. And so, you, yeah, yeah. A lot, lot of, lot of like the third wall kind of coming down. So it's you, cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to number 83, the Thompson <laughs> twins, doctor, doctor. Love it. You have very fond memories of Thompson twins. Totally. Totally. <laughs> this is not the song though. I mean, I like this. I really, really like this song a lot, but this is not the song for me. Right. It's off the out. Al- yeah. In, Into the Gap was the album that, that right. spawned all these right. hits. And this and it was, was like one. Yeah. And it was one of the biggest albums of that year for sure. Right. It's um, not like hold, hold me, me now. Hold me yeah. now, which we <laughs> will. Yeah. Which we will talk about later. Not on this episode, but, uh, yeah. but we are talking Dr. Doctor. And I think this was the song that followed Hold Me Now, um, the follow-up single. Still, still very strong, and still, uh, I still love hearing this. It, I think it speaks to the production of the song. It's it's really, really very strong. It's it's great. Yeah. <laughs> what about Holly? What do you think? Of it? <laughs> yes. Also, now it's funny. I don't know. I, we're we're running the gamut here, but we talked last week about the song, the title track, "Into the Gap," which I actually like better than this. I I do like this song. And I do happen to think it remains on the top 80. Um, <laughs> one of the facts when I was looking at uh, just when I was prepping, a list I saw came up with a few more songs that compares a singer's love to a medical condition. Is that, so that's a theme behind the song? This is one of the songs that compares being in love to a medical state. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Very good. Yeah. So which, which being alone is like the sickness and love is the cure. Right. Yeah, that's right. We talked about this last week, but I'm kind of curious as, as someone like a preteen, did you, Thompson Twins were on, they, they performed on Live Aid. Did you watch Live Aid? Do you remember that? And because the Thompson Twins I, were I on it. I remember Live Aid. I did not watch it. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because this was at, at Live Aid, Thompson Twins sang the Beatles Revolution and Madonna joined them on stage. It shows, you oh, know, wow. like the Thompson yeah. Twins were so big that Madonna came on to be on stage yeah. with them. <laughs> yeah. I did not have cable TV, so oh. I had to go to like a friend's house to watch MTV even. And it was like, wow, you know, my friends have MTV. <laughs> you know? uh, so, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it. <laughs> That's very good. And those were the days where MTV was all music. It was everything. You can see all it your was favorite Everything artists. I missed those yeah. days. Have you guys seen the Portlandia episode where they try to bring back MTV? <laughs> Like I, I, yeah, I vaguely remember they that. Like, they they like call up like <laughs> Pinfield and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kurt Loder and uh, what's her name Martha Plimpton. They get them all together. Not Martha Plimpton. Uh, what's Martha Quinn. Uh, Martha Quinn. Martha Quinn. Thank you. And they they get them all together and like go to the headquarters at Viacom and like try to make a case for bringing back MTV. 
It's pretty funny. You should look it up. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> but 1984 was the first year that they did the MTV Awards. Right. Yes. They still have that award show. Have you tried watching the MTV no, Awards? God, yeah, no. I know. I'm over it. Yeah. So over it. I don't think that's for us. I know. No, it's not. <laughs> but totally you, not for what, us. What do you think of award shows? Will you watch like Grammys? Does that... Uh... I will always watch the Grammys, even though I think it's kind of bullshit, but mm. I... You know, and I'm especially intrigued now that I'm kind of like in this lane where I'm, I'm, you know, kind of really focused on equality, gender equality and uh, racial equality in music. Um, I'm very, very interested in how, you know, it's just the Grammys has been fascinating to to watch. Let's yeah, just say that. Yeah, like there's a study, a study. Just yeah, kind of. Yeah, just to watch, yeah. just you know, from a from a very kind of like analytical standpoint, where the attention gets put, who gets what, who gets to present, who wins yeah. what, who gets the snubs. Just yeah, especially yeah, especially during that uh, step up speech or so, something like oh, that to, to women. You know, to that women. Was Neil Portnoy. Oh, Neil yes. Portnoy. Thank you. That was just was a couple a, years ago. Right. It was, a, it was a bat. Right. But <laughs> that they, was one of the things that kickstarted me in this direction. Right. I have to say. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's something Terrible. that's, that's great where they took you. I mean, a lot of people took this negative, this horrible thing that was spoken on national TV and as, and just recognize like, Oh, this, Oh, I think it was very positive. Turning yeah. this negative into a positive. I, oh, I, no question. Yeah. No question. And yeah. It was kind of a wake up call. So that's, uh, that was very, um, that's good that, you yeah. know, so it's, it's kind of moving in that, that yeah. direction. Let's, uh, let's continue our countdown with <laughs> Blamage again. Guess what? We get to talk about, this is a, this was actually a B-side. Now I, I'm going to ask you, have you, um, back in the day, besides no, the single, were the, I mean, maybe at DST, were you able, ever able to say, oh, this, here's another song. I, the single is all right, but I like this, this other song that I've heard Definitely. from the band. Yes. Yes. And actually I was, you know, for, I, I was blessed in that way that for all of my radio career, we definitely always, always, always looked for other songs and actually pushed back sometimes on, on labels when they were pushing a single and it didn't feel right. And we like listened to the album and found better songs and we didn't always play the chart game. So, um, so yeah. Very good. And so did you give this song, Game Above My Head? This is the second of three Blamage songs. What'd you think mm. of this song? I mean, just like the first one. <laughs> I, I thought it was cool. I don't really know this band, you know? So um, it, it was really, it was a first listen. So I would have to kind of revisit again to yeah. really have a, I think, and, and more context maybe to formulate like a good, like pro opinion on it. But I like, <laughs> I like the song. I like the song. It's cool. I don't know if I mentioned that uh, uh, Dr. Doctor is still on the list. Number 65. Oh, good. I said it before we even started talking right. about the song. I knew. Yeah, <laughs> you're very happy to know. Right. So now let, I will uh, ask about uh, Blamage. Is this song on this list, the song that, that leaves Carmel kind of cold, <laughs> leaves this reviewer cold. What do you think, Holly? Is this still on the list? I like the song a lot. I'm going to go with yes, even though I know there are going to be other songs from Blamange, at least one more that is going to remain on the top 80 that we haven't gotten to yet. But I want to say yes about this. Yeah, you're correct. This is on the list. Eurythmics, no. Blamage, yeah. Throw, the more the merrier. Knock me over with a feather on the Eurythmics. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that girl? I would have sworn that was on. Yeah. Well, we continue. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> 
So this is going to be, this is our, the last song of our list uh, we've reached. Uh, and this is probably one of my favorites. This is Cindy Lauper, Shebop. <laughs> and um, I don't know. This is just... <laughs> We could do a whole episode on this song. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> I rewatched the video again, and, and you just kind of fall in love again with just the, the energy that Cindy Lauper brings. She was meant for video, and this "She's So Unusual" was just a phenomenal record. It was just like nothing we'd heard before, but she was. It was something that we were we were ready for, you know. And, and I, I I love that she was just this huge personality, and I, still to this day. And at the time, I had really no idea that it was about masturbation, even though yeah. you watch the video and there, it's it's all out there, <laughs> clueless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's very obvious when you you know when you watch the video. What are your thoughts, Carmel, on, on Cindy and and this one, this song, Shebop? Yeah, I mean, I she's amazing, and you know, again, my my lens for the song originally was through the eyes of uh, preteens, so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a much more innocent viewpoint than I did as an adult. So I would imagine she would be as a preteen, she would appeal to you. Like you see this and she's like this, this oversized personality, but just kind of but glamorous and still a rock star and singing. I would imagine that that might've appealed yeah, to you. She didn't hit me that way, okay. but, um, but I, I mean, I, I appreciated her. I certainly, you know, I, I, I liked her music, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and her videos were fun and she was fun. I think I was maybe in terms of like, you know, someone, people that captivated me. Um, I was probably more drawn to like Madonna Mm -hmm. at that time than I was Cindy Lauper. Madonna was team Madonna over team Lauper. Okay. (laughs) Not yeah, that they were rivals the way, at I, all, I think, but I think, I think Madonna was a little bit more of a bad girl. Yeah, and sure. I, so, you know, and there was something like, I think, I don't know, this would be something kind of interesting to, to like do, do a little, you know, think on a little bit or do more digging or research on, but like just off the cuff, off the top of my head, I'm thinking like they were both rebellious and they were both subversive, but I think that Madonna was just so much more overt about it um, and outspoken and more brazen. And I feel like, yeah. Cindy Lauper, more cartoony, I think possibly. Yeah. And maybe Madonna for you felt more real. I don't even really compare them. myself. I don't compare them, their music, even their, their styles of music. But Cindy Lauper was different, not like a, a, a character or a caricature, but just she represented something different to me. I think she's the stronger singer than, than Madonna. She's just uh, phenomenal. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Definitely. Amazing. Um, she said in this song that she was combining electronica and rockabilly, trying to, to bring those those I elements together. Cool. And so it yeah. kind of has that feel. Like yeah. she mentioned, like when she she starts a song with, well, that's kind of like her rockabilly, like (laughs) bebop-a-loo-bop. That's cool. Yeah. So, do you know, the song was on the the 1985 PMRC list of 15. Oh, it must have been. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it was pretty blatant (laughs) that this was, you know, what, what they were, if, if Prince's uh, Darling Nikki masturbating by a a magazine was uh, was on the list, then Cindy Lauper, I mean, the video is great. She's alone in her, in her car and the the windows are steaming up and and it's just her in there with with the magazine. It's, you know, phenomenal, truly a national treasure. I love her so much. That's so cool. (laughs) Um, 
All right. So that, that brings us to, oh, is this on the list? Yeah. <laughs> Carmel, what do you think? I will say who's that girl is not on the list. As we Are you giving us a hint? <laughs> it's a huge hint. Oh. It's not. It's not on the list, no. <laughs> probably, I'm just as surprised, I think. Probably too big a pop hit. Who, who knows? There we go. So that's that's our 10-song chunk. I, I wanted to give you an opportunity, if you want, Carmel. I, we, you know, last month, we lost Rita Houston from FUV. Can you give us some words about, uh, you know, what she meant to you as uh, as someone? Did you consider did you consider her your mentor? And, uh, you know, what, what did she bring to radio and what did she bring into your life? Yeah, I mean, she was definitely my, my mentor. Um, and she was also my family. She's a really close friend. You know, it's a huge loss. And for me personally, you know, we hadn't worked together in a, in a while, you know, cause I left FUV in, um, in 2019. So, you know, when she, when she passed, I felt quite lucky that we were no longer coworkers, that we had, our relationship had shifted back into where we were just friends. You know, that was a gift because I was able to really be there at the end. But, you know, I mean, she's a trailblazer and she was so, um, so important. So had such a pivotal role to play. You know, it's like I was thinking about this because the day that she died was a Tuesday and I I was doing, you know, I have to produce this weekly radio show now and it gets delivered out to radio stations on Tuesday night. And I was like, I can't, I cannot work. I cannot. I was a mess. I was just gutted. But I kept hearing Rita in my head, like telling me to like, not like suck it up, but just, you know, okay, you're, you're grieving, but like, get back to work. Like there's time to grieve later. This is, this is somebody who, you know, lost her father. And then two days later was on stage at the Beacon Theater. You know, she all through her illness, she just never stopped. She never stopped working. And there were moments where some of us were like, oh my God, like, how can she keep going? You know, maybe she shouldn't keep going. Maybe she should be resting. But it was like up to the very, very end, you know, and that taught me so much. And I found myself coming back to that ethos when I was confronted with her death. It was like I was able to kind of like throw myself into my work. And that was so healing for me. Yeah. And so I've just been reflecting a lot on, so I, you know, I dedicated that show. Uh, I had a, uh, an interview. We'll come full circle to the start of this conversation <laughs> where I told you guys that I sat and did a ton of interviews for a podcast that was never to be, or at least not to be yet. And half of the interviews were with women who were on the business side. And I had been bugging Rita for a decade or more <laughs> to get her story down. <laughs> ah, you don't want to talk to me. Nah, why do you want to talk to me? <laughs> because you're Rita fucking Houston. That's why. Anyway, I finally got my wish and I interviewed her. It was amazing for, for Shiro's. And then it sat in the vault because the podcast never came out. All of a sudden there I am the day that she died thinking, oh my God, now might be the moment. And I opened up and I listened to it for the very first time since we recorded it that day. And, um, you know, when I was like going back and forth, like, is this going to ring true for stations across the country? I realized like, 
no matter who is listening to this, no matter if you are a music fan, Rita Houston has influenced somebody that you care about, like a musician from Brandy Carlisle to Katie Lang to Adele to, I mean, the list is like a mile and a half long of artists that took to social media, by the way, right away to thank her. To have that large of an imprint, I mean, that's, that is, that's a life well spent, you know, and um, it's something to aspire to. There's a small group of us who are close with Rita who are getting bracelets made. What would Rita do? WWRD. And it's something that like, I mean, I literally, I, I keep with me every single day. I hear her in my head every single day. I'm here talking to you thanks to her. And I feel a duty and a sense of responsibility to carry her legacy. You know, that's that's the work now. It's like, you know, keep keep showing up to work. Keep showing up to work. Keep supporting artists. Keep building relationships. That's how she did it, you know? So I know that was a long... No. But <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's hard no. when somebody brings that topic up to me. You know, it's... Um, there's a lot to say. Thank you for telling you, us. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, this... And you are continuing with with your Shiro show, and, and mm-hmm. it's it really is the torch has been passed, so to speak, and you're you're really you're promoting great music, and that's all that that's all that matters, really. You know that you're <laughs> you're pushing the artists um, and these 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 talents. It's uh, it's great, and it's, you're giving them a voice. It's it's wonderful, and I I'm really happy that you've got this show now, and we Thank hear you, you in L.A. I can hear you in L.A. now yeah. on 88.5 FM. You know, I guess we're going to hear you on Sonos eventually, and now yes, uh, yes, beginning in March. In yes, March. yeah, oh. called Shiro's mixtape memoir. It's a actually funny. It's kind of a similar thing we were just talking about, but um, that's wonderful. It, it, it reminds me. It, yeah, it's it's like what we just did, right? Yeah. Like walking down memory lane with with songs. It's music is so transportive. This is so cool. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. It was really it was a nice change of pace for me. <laughs> <laughs> really, I enjoyed myself very much, and it was great to meet you, Holly. It was so nice to meet you too. Thank you for doing this. We're so grateful. That was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure. It really yeah. was. Yes, yeah, thank my you. Pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm available. Welcome me back anytime. That's good. We're going to, that's it. We're calling you a friend of the show. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thank you so much, Carmel. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Take care. Well, can't wait to see you again in person. Okay. Yes, for sure. (laughs) All right. So thanks again to Carmel Holt. Uh, Her show is called Shiro's Radio and it's Heroes with an S. You could hear the show anywhere. Holly, can you give us that information? Shirosradio.com. And also, that's starting in March, you will hear on Sonos. So, Yay, that should be fun. That's yeah. going to be Shiro's mixtape. Yeah, super talented. Very happy to have her going over a 10-song chunk of songs that K-Rock played way back in 1984. And thank you, Holly, being a wonderful co-host. The pleasure has been all mine, Dave, as it is every single week. And thank you to Pantheon Podcast proud member of the Pantheon podcast family. Uh, Where can you follow us, Holly? You can find us on Facebook at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WDDIM Podcast. And also check out our YouTube channel where we are posting regularly lots of clips, lots of outtakes from our show. So, uh, So subscribe. Simply follow What Difference Does It Make podcast on YouTube and you will easily find what Holly is posting on there. And it's always uh, something fun. Can't wait to see what she posts this week. (laughs) 
until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.